You're listening to the Outdoor Photography Podcast, episode 66. Today is a special Tidbit Tuesday episode because one of our favorite previous guests, Colleen Minnick, is here to help me answer two of our listener questions about making money as an outdoor photographer. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm Brenda Petrella, the creator of Outdoor Photography School. Join me as I sit down with top landscape and nature photographers and outdoor industry experts to chat about creativity, composition, photography tips and techniques, essential gear, safety in the outdoors, respect for nature, and so much more. Tune in every week to learn how to create compelling and impactful images while exploring and enjoying the natural world. Welcome to the Outdoor Photography Podcast. Hello, my friends, Brenda Petrella here, here to help you create better images and reconnect with nature. Thanks so much for tuning into this special Tidbit Tuesday, where I had the pleasure of sharing the mic with my friend and fellow photographer, Colleen Minnick, who graciously agreed to come back on the show to help answer two of our listener questions about generating an income with landscape and nature photography. As you know, I enjoy hearing from you. And so if you have a question or a topic you'd like me to cover in a Tidbit Tuesday, just click the link in today's episode description or go to outdoorphotographypodcast.com to record your question. All right, now let's listen to our first listener question from Ashley, followed by our second question from Julia. Hi, so I was wondering how you got your first paid job as a landscape photographer. Did you? Did someone see your work and they reached out to you or did you reach out to companies? And for those of us that are just starting out, like how do we find good companies or brands to work with? And when we do reach out, like what are some key things that we should be saying in our emails? How do you make money with nature and landscape photography. Thank you, Ashley and Julia, for these great questions, which prompted the following conversation with Colleen Minnick. So let's go ahead and roll that now. Colleen, welcome back to the Outdoor Photography Podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today and do a Tidbit Tuesday episode with me. Well, thanks for having me back, Brenda. I'm really excited for this. Yeah, yeah, me too. So we have had uh, two listeners submit questions related to the business side of landscape and nature photography, which is something that a lot of creators uh, either wonder about or they struggle with or they dream about, like maybe someday I'll leave my nine to five and become a photographer. But they struggle with things like, could you even make a viable income doing photography or the marketing or being uncomfortable with the selling part of it? Um, or just being unsure what some of the options are just to even get started? Well, those are questions that I have. And I'm here to tell you if I can do it, anybody can do it. So I'm happy to share some tips on how we can, uh, you know, find opportunities and sustain yourself as as a freelance photographer. Excellent. So I understand that you've been running a successful photography business. Is it since 2007? I've been full-time freelance since 2007, Um, so about 15 years, over 15 years. But um, I started selling my work in 2003 when I had a full-time job working at Intel Corporation. Gotcha. So there's some overlap there. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, to start us off, let's start with Ashley's question, uh, which was around how did you get your first client or gig, your first photography paid opportunity? And was it that someone saw your work and reached out to you? I think she's thinking more in terms of client relations rather than like a print sale situation. Or did you reach out and research potential clients? And so what did that first experience look like for you? Yeah, so it's kind of two part. The the reason I even started selling my work at all was actually kind of a joke. I started photography in 2001. I had no prior experience with photography, so it was starting off very raw. Mm-hmm. And I saw my friends in my class. They were, you know, getting published in magazines and they were doing art shows and they were doing all sorts of fun stuff with their work. And I was like, I wonder if anybody would buy my stuff. Like is that a thing? Can you do that? And so sort of as a, as a joke, I kind of as a what, I don't know if I'd say it was a joke. It was a very serious, I was very serious about it. Um, but it was kind of a what if, and I didn't have a lot of investment in it. It was just kind of like, hmm, I wonder what would happen. So I started selling my work at art shows at a local, it was like a holiday bazaar. Um, and I did really, really well. And that was sort of my first indication that, yeah, People will, in fact, buy this stuff. And so I started getting excited about magazine work. Um, It was great that, you know, I could have someone put my photograph over their fireplace. That was exciting. Or in their bathroom, as it turns out. I had a lot of waterfall pictures in bathrooms. (laughs) You know, (laughs) it could be inspiring. Hey, (laughs) in the moment. (laughs) That's what we're here for, right? To inspire people. Exactly. So... So, um, yeah, so I, I wanted to have a better, bigger impact with my work. And I felt like the magazine route was kind of um, the direction that I wanted to go. And again, it, I had no idea where to start. Um, mm-hmm. What I ended up doing was going down to the library. I picked one magazine and that magazine happened to be a really small one, which was Arizona Highways magazine. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like go right. big or go home, right? <laughs> like, exactly. And so, I mean, it was local. I had a lot of Arizona-based work, obviously, since I'm based in the Phoenix area. And so it it seemed like a logical, like, I don't know, for me, I was pretty, I have this thing called naive enthusiasm. It's just like, I don't think about these things. I just thought it was a good idea. It was cool. So I went down to the library that, you know, the internet wasn't really a huge thing at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went to the library and looked through about three years of their magazines. And I wow. studied the magazine. And I studied what they put on the cover, you know, what, what kind of light the, the photograph had, the content, what kind of subject matter. Was it with a story? Was it not? Was it vertical? Was it not? I mean, I knew so much about that magazine um, yeah. before I even decided to submit with them. And part of it is just trying to understand the style and all of that. Uh, let me guess. Did you have a spreadsheet? I, how did you know? You can interrupt me for a spreadsheet any day, Brenda. <laughs> yes, it was a very large spreadsheet. Yes, it was. I <laughs> there's nothing more that I love than a spread good spreadsheet. Maybe bubbles, but uh, yes, right. it absolutely was a spreadsheet. <laughs> so funny, <laughs> you know me so well. Um, yeah. yeah, and it just it was a way to understand the magazine style, their needs, their interest, and then what had already been done, so I knew what not to submit in my portfolio. Um, The universe kind of aligned and I ended up going, I ended up supporting an Arizona Highways Photography Workshop with Richard Mack, who was one of the editors, photography editors there at the time. 
And I was prepared. I was like, I have this portfolio of 20 images. And I said, Hey, Richard, can you look at these? Are they any good? Should I submit them? What can I do to get better? And he was like, Oh, no, throw them in the pile. Like, send them over. And I did. And I ended up getting, I ended up getting published out of that first batch of photographs. But I, I, yeah, I mean, amazing, right? Like totally, totally lucky other than the, you know, 17 page spreadsheet that I did. (laughs) (laughs) But luck favors the prepared, right? So I think the key messages there, especially when we look at Ashley's question is, is know your, know your client. So pick one client. If you're looking to do like a magazine, for example, pick one client and know them better than they know themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, Look for their submission guidelines. They're, they're probably online now and follow those submission guidelines to an absolute T. That is not the time to be creative. If they ask Mm -hmm. for JPEG, you send them JPEG. You do not send them TIFFs. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but editors don't have time. They're very busy people. They don't have time to deal with this excess. They want it very clean. And so follow that. And then, you know, we can talk a little bit about more how how to communicate with those the people who the decision makers like editors and whatnot. Um, yeah. But it's important to make them aware of you. Right. Yeah. So a couple of questions that come out of that in terms of awareness, do you think it's good to have a website or maybe an Instagram presence first so that when you do reach out, you can say, here are my submissions. But if you want to see the type of work I'm creating, here's my website. Is that a good tactic? Absolutely. Um, I would say for sure a website, you know, with Instagram, if you're not on Instagram already and you don't have like a sizable following, that could actually work against you. Um, but mm-hmm. definitely having a website or a landing page, certainly do social media to build your awareness. Um, but having a website to, to show that you're serious about this would, would be right. very helpful. Um, yeah. If you want to dive into it at some point, um, there is an actual formula that I followed. Surprise! Yes. There's a process. <laughs> Surprise! Um, it's not a process that I came up with. It's actually from the early 1900s on how to sell your work. And it's the AICA formula. It's awareness, interest, conviction, and action. And awareness, those things have to happen and they have to happen in order. And so Mm. the first step is awareness. You have to make people aware of what you can do for them, what services and products you offer. So having a website with 20 pictures of your best pictures of the type of work that's representative of what you do and what you want to do would Mm -hmm. be very helpful. And that's going to change over time. You know, when I first started out, my portfolio looks very different than my portfolio does now. And that's okay. That's growth. So start with what you have and go from there. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Can you talk us through that formula a little bit more? So awareness. I would love to. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) this is not a field of dreams type of situation, right? Like people aren't going to just randomly find you. That would be pretty rare, I would think. It's very unusual for you to have a photograph on your website and somebody magically comes out of thin air and buys your print. It happens. It does happen. But that is not how I would want to 
run an entire business. It's certainly not how you're going to stay afloat in the business industry. So awareness is simply making people aware of who you are as a photographer, what you do, what you can offer. And it's having that presence like a website. Um, It's like making connections, like being on a podcast, for example, making Mm -hmm. people aware, Mm -hmm. Um, going to your local, you know, clubs and organizations that have common interests with you. And so it's connecting, trying to get in front of those people who are most likely interested in what you have photography wise. That's the interest step. And then conviction is that they like you. They want to buy photography from you specifically. Right. And that one's that one's the a challenging one because there's millions of photographers out there, right? There's right. people with iPhones and there's many, many photographs. So how do you stand out? And the way that I work interest and conviction kind of back and forth is when you get to this level, when you start selling your photography, it really is not about the quality of your photographs anymore. That is already assumed that you are mm-hmm. executing to a certain quality level that matches what the magazine or whatever the outlet is, whatever they require. Mm-hmm. At this point, it becomes, what can I do for you? That is the question that I ask constantly. I am trying to solve other people's problems. I'm trying to satisfy their emotional needs and desires through my work. And mm-hmm. that that's beyond just delivering a pretty photograph. And so I have had so many opportunities open up, so many crazy weird opportunities open up because I've just asked friends, you know, client people in my community, what can I do for you? Like, what is it that you're trying to accomplish and how can I support you? And then the action is, is, is the last part is asking people to buy your stuff. And, you know, that's the hardest one. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've posted my photographs on social media, for example, and people are like, Hey, do you sell prints? (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) turns out i'm a photographer that's what i do yeah right Um, but it's not intuitive to the normal to the normal people like you and i we like obviously duh right Right. but if you don't say hey you know buy my fine art prints people don't know that's the awareness right and so you know making it as easy as possible for people to buy your stuff i have square on my phone if people want to sign up for a workshop they can do it right there on my phone like i you know making it excuse me, as easy as possible for people to to buy your work is action. There's actually one last step that my dad and I did introduce, and that's S at the end. It's satisfaction. In business school, they told us that it was anywhere from five to 10 times harder to land a new client than it is to keep an existing one happy. Mm, And so satisfaction is a big deal. So I do workshop evaluations, for example, and I follow up with people to see how my presentations went with, you know, speaking gigs, or I talk with the editor to make sure that their needs are, are, have been, have been met. And so it's about, it's continuing, it's keeping the door open for additional opportunities. So it's A-I-C-A-S then. (laughs) <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I like that. Uh, well, thank you so much for taking us through that formula. That is really helpful. Back to the interest and conviction part of it and putting yourself, your own work out there, like getting people to want to buy your work and standing out. Um, what are some recommendations that you have for that? Like, Should people 
Well, I guess I have a couple different questions in there. One, I really like the question that you posed saying, what is it that I can do for you and how that can open up so many opportunities and doors and and help you sort of hone your vision and your voice and your photography and what it is that you want to be photographing. One thing I wonder about is, do you end up doing a lot of like senior portraits and things like that where people are like, oh, you have a camera. Great. Or is it, are you trying to be more specific for outdoor photography type of work? So that's sort of one question. And then two, what what would be your recommendations for standing out in a crowded space? Yeah, that's, that's a challenge. But I think the second question depends on the first. And so um, when I was at Intel and I was doing my photography just for fun, I was doing landscape photography. And when I made the transition in 2007, I asked some folks, um, some people who had been in, in the industry, how do I make it as a photographer? And I got two pieces of advice that, that influenced my, my path. <clears throat> the first was that I would never make it as a landscape photographer because the industry had changed so much. It was right around the time where the stock market industry, that stock photography market had sort of started to decline and yeah. there weren't a lot of opportunity, quote, there weren't a lot of opportunities out there. And the second was that I was female and I wasn't going to be able to travel by myself. And that's ironically exactly what I love to do. And that's what I do today. (laughs) So anyway, but I listened to them. And so when I came out of Intel in 2007, for the first three years, I actually really didn't focus on landscape photography at all. I did shoot senior portraits. I did shoot architecture and landscape architecture. I shot golf. I shot soccer. I know nothing about golf and soccer. I shot jewelry. I literally tried everything except for weddings and funerals and babies. And you had to draw a line somewhere. I did. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I just didn't have the patience for it. But every time I would do these things, you know, I, I shot food commercially for three years. And after each shoot, it would be like, okay, is this who I am as a photographer? Is this really what I love? Is this really why I left my job? Is this really what I want to do with my life? And I think having, being able to say no is just as, as powerful as being like, yeah, this is really what I want. And Mm -hmm. so it took, I had an experience with the Outdoor Writers Association of America. I was invited as a speaker to a conference and I saw a bunch of people being successful in outdoor photography and communications. And I was like, well, wait a minute. Like if they can do it, like I'm going to, I'm going to do it. And so I dropped all my commercial clients um, to do, to focus exclusively on landscape photography. But even then I still wasn't, as focused, right? It was like, well, I just love everything about nature. I'm going to shoot butterflies and rocks and like, you know, everything. And it was through a series of experiences through, you know, artists and residencies with Acadia, for example, that drew me closer to water. And it was an experience in 2015 on a standout paddleboard that drew me closer to rivers specifically. And so now, you know, 15 years later, you know, after shooting food and senior portraits, I'm now focused not exclusively, but I'm focused pretty hardcore on water management issues in the desert Southwest. That's pretty specific, Mm -hmm. you know, and I do some work with Acadia and things like that still from my residencies, but that's pretty specific. I would have had a very difficult time getting from point A to B without going through all of those experiences. So for those who are not sure who they want to be when they grow up, Mm -hmm. try senior portraits. Maybe it's your favorite thing in the whole world. And then right. once you do, it's about finding those clients who support what you value. And so once you get to that point, then you can start to differentiate yourself. You know, for me, I, and this is the, 
you know, part two of your question is how do you stand out? Mm-hmm. I think being able to answer the question, what can I do for you will get you there. A lot of people are like, well, you should be different, be different than everybody else. And I, I don't, I don't subscribe to that. You're different already because you are literally the only human being on the planet. You're it. Like, there's only one of you. And so you're already yeah. by nature different. It's about tapping into your skills, your knowledge, your experiences. Like for me, I stand up paddleboard across lakes. I spend nine days on a river by myself or or lakes by myself. And that is unique. That gets me into places that other people are not going to get with mm-hmm. a camera. And so that's what I can deliver to, to clients like, you know, for example, American Rivers, who I work with, um, you know, a nonprofit organization focused on river you know, water management issues. And so that's, that's a great connection. And that's a, that's a client partnership where I'm asking, what can I do for you? And I'm delivering, you know, something, I'm not just standing on a shoreline or an overlook. I'm, I'm going farther out because I love to do that anyway. It just so happens that I, I can find a client who does that. And so I think it's about tapping into your own sort of your own strengths, your own interests, and then, and then being able to to answer that, that call of, of what can I do for you? Yeah, no, that's great. It sounds like there's a good alignment there between the activities and how you like to spend your time already. Like these are, you're, you're going to paddle board across a lake or a river anyway. And now if you're going out with the idea of, okay, if I'm going to do work with American rivers, I can ask them first, what can I do for you? And then maybe that would align with a trip that you already have planned or that you could plan. And then everybody wins. Absolutely. Anytime that I'm on a personal rafting trip, I'll send a note to my contacts at American River and say, hey, I'm going down Cataract Canyon. You know, can I get you any images while I'm down there or any videos while I'm down there? And they're like, absolutely. Like we have nothing. So I might shoot just slightly differently than I would if I were just doing it on my own and personal. Um, But, you know, but certainly being able to to maximize the experience and the efficiency. And then, you know, of course, this is the name of the game, make some money at it. Like. That's, yeah, that's, that's the chess game that we're all trying to play. (laughs) Right. Yes. Yeah. Well, so that leads us into Julia's question pretty well, this whole chess game. So what are some common sources of revenue for landscape and nature photographers? You know, what are the different ways that people could start to generate some revenue? (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of different ways that you can do and you can be creative with it. But I mean, in terms of making money, in terms of different products and services, you know, I look at my sort of mix of, of offerings and it's things like you can do fine art prints. Um, you know, you could sell through websites, but you could also sell through, you know, art shows. You could extend that into the stock, you know, sort of area where you have a stock agency. Um, host your images and sell them for you. You could mm-hmm. contact um, editorial outlets um, for stories. I'm also a writer. And so that's, you know, we talk about differentiating yourself. I'm a, I'm a one-stop shop for editors. They don't have to go find a writer. I, right. I have a, you know, photo writing package that that's easy for them. If you can make it easy for anybody to buy your stuff, like I said, that's how you do it. Um, yeah. So... Um, you know, editorial outlets like magazines, there's calendar companies, there's postcard companies. If you're interested in those, you can just Google, you know, you know, postcard companies or stock, you know, calendar companies or do what I did when I first started, which is I just went to the grocery store and I grabbed a calendar and I flipped it on the back and I looked at the publisher name and mm-hmm. I Googled the publisher name and found submission guidelines. That's how yeah. I got started in 
calendar work and that sort of thing. And some magazines will even have kind of an offshoot business where they have they have their own they do their own annual calendar, which is a really great way to sort of multiply your your sales. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's things people are doing like you know mouse pads and posters and greeting cards and all of that like souvenir kind of stuff. You could go that direction. Um, there's, um, you know, you can, I, I do a lot of teaching. I do a lot mm-hmm. of speaking engagements. I mean, part of why I stopped doing art shows is that I started to see people wanted to put their own pictures on the wall. So the problem changed, the problem right. statement changed, which was I have a space over my fireplace that I want a pretty picture over. And it flipped to, I want my picture. I want my picture to be as pretty as possible when it sits over the fireplace. And that's why workshops right. sort of took off. I just yeah. happen to love teaching. Teaching. You don't have to do teaching if you don't want to. I love teaching as much as I love making my own work. So it's a great fit for my my mix. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's speaking engagements. Like you can share your knowledge and share your skills, things like that. Um, I'm trying to think of, of what else is out there. Um, you Photo could do books, books, I guess. Would, yeah. Books. Yep. I started a publishing company because that's what you do when you're bored one April. <laughs> <laughs> Of course you do. Right. Yep. <laughs> that's what you do. You could, um, yeah. So you could, you could do your own books. You could work with book publishers, um, to do, you know, like stock submissions, like you would an editorial outlet. Um, you could start just a photo blog and you could do, yeah, there's, yeah, there's I think a lot of different. Yeah. Gallery. Exactly. Gallery work. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's contests that you can do that get you into exhibitions, things like that. Yeah. 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 Well, so if you were to go back in time and start your photography business all over again, what would you do differently? Oh, goodness. Um, I would. Oh, gosh, that's a good question. If I could, if I could tell myself my younger self anything, um, I would be more OK with uncertainty and act more out of curiosity as -hmm. opposed to what I thought I should do in terms of like societal expectations. And I saw people doing certain things and I was like, Oh, I should do this. And, and being more curious about my own path and, and being okay, not knowing the answer. I had a lot of angst going through those three years right after you know, leaving Intel. And of course, once you leave like a six figure job that, you know, you get a paycheck every other week and you go to, you know, this sort of up and down and who knows what's coming down the pipeline, you know, tomorrow, um, being okay with that uncertainty and being curious about it. Um, I think one really solid piece of advice that I think paid off is everything you do now pays off in a year. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that's because of, editorial calendars like they need the submission you know six to 12 months ahead of time things like that so that was that that was good advice back in the day but um it's going to be uncertain and i think just understand that you if you're passionate about this and you're you're motivated about it um you will find the resources to make it happen you will Mm -hmm. find the way and again just keep a focus on on trying to solve other people's problems as opposed, you know, make sure that you're delivering the technical quality that you want through your images, but just making sure that you're, you're asking that question all of the time. What can I do for you? So yeah, that was kind of a rambling answer, but, but curiosity and, and being okay with uncertainty, not fearing the uncertainty. I think I would have tried to be 
because you're when you're not fearful, you take different risks, right? You take right. You you make different decisions instead of acting out of fear. It's right. acting out of confidence that you do have something you can offer people, and people will value that. They will pay you for that. Yeah, um, I just yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. There's a quote from Brene Brown that I've quoted before on the podcast, which I. I love, and that is you can choose courage or you can choose comfort, but you can't choose both. Yeah. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. It helps me work through that fear of uncertainty yeah. when I face it. I, uh, yeah, it's, that's a beautiful quote. I absolutely wholehearted, wholeheartedly believe in that. Um, the quote that I left Intel, like I wrote in my little goodbye note, <laughs> was by John A. Shedd. John A. Shedd, and it's a ship in in harbor is safe, but that is not what ships are built for. And I I was not built for a life of comfort. Um, I was, I was built for a life of adventure and all of the other things that were, are out there. And so think of as you, if you are thinking about, you know, pursuing photography as a business, either part-time or full-time is ask yourself what you are built for and Mm -hmm. go towards that. Yeah. I love that quote too. Well, thank you, Colleen. Any last words of advice that you or recommendations or resources that you would share with the listeners? Oh, well, I mean, there's there's lots of books out there like the Guerrilla Marketing. Um, I've done a freelance you presentation through OWAA that's free. That would be a good place to start. Um, mm-hmm. I have that on my on my website. Um, but I think, you know, treating this as as a business is important. You are you're going to be an entrepreneur. You're you don't want to be a starving artist, right? Right. <laughs> so yeah. there's there's going to be a lot of different types that you're going to be juggling. And I would just forewarn people that you're going to potentially be photographing less um, Mm -hmm. when you turn this into a business than you would if you kept it as a hobby. And and for me, that was okay, because I love the business side of it. Um, But for some, that's kind of, uh, you know, kind of shock and awe. Um, But that is the reality. And if you're if you're in it to help, you know, further other people's opportunities, then you'll be you'll be fine. That's the entrepreneurial spirit. Um, But yeah, just know that it's 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 not an easy path, but it is absolutely one of the most rewarding paths that you can take by helping other yeah. people through your your creativity and and your and your art is just so rewarding so go for yeah. it if you're going to if you're thinking about it go for it and i'd be happy to help however i can so <laughs> yes and so and i understand that you offer some business coaching and consultation for people who are interested in taking the leap and so do you, do you want to talk about that a little bit yeah, absolutely. Um, I work with people who are just like kind of thinking about it. I work with people who have thought about it and feel pretty lost. Um, I work with people who are in it and would like some refinement on their, you know, their business direction. So I have a multi-step process that I walk people through. I have some worksheets and discussions and questions that we go through. So my goal is to, again, what can I do for you is to help people, you know, make, make that next step with whatever they're, they're hoping to do with their life. I want to make sure that people are living their best life ever. And so, you know, I do coaching for photographers. I do coaching for other artists and, and other, um, other creative types, other business types. So it's not just photography based, but, um, yeah, it's, 
it's we go through you know the AICA for example very very specifically <laughs> yes <laughs> and get a, get an actionable get an actionable plan you don't have to love spreadsheets I promise um, right. but if you do that's bonus <laughs> that's a <Right>. bonus <laughs> extra points <laughs> uh, yeah um, but ultimately we get through you know smart goals and we have a, you know an action plan that we can get to so that every morning you wake up and you know what you're going to be doing and you're excited about it and it's and it's going to make you some money. And so to support whatever, whatever financial goals that you may have with your photography. So I, I love helping. So if I can help, I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to jump in. So. Awesome. Well, where is the best place for people to go to find out more about this and, and your photography? Yeah. So my website is the best place to start is www.callingminute.com. You can find the coaching aspect under education. Um, there's a link to coaching and mentoring there. You can read a little bit more. That link that I talked about, the Freelance You uh, presentation, that free presentation is in that, is on that page. Um, obviously, we'd love to connect via social media. So Facebook and Instagram, you can find me at Calling Minic uh, or Calling Minic Photography. So Perfect. I will put all of those links in the show notes so that's easy for people to find. And uh, Colleen, thank you again so much. Thanks, Brenda. Yeah, of course. Thank you for sharing all of your your tips and wisdom and experiences with us. And I, I think that it really gives some clarity to people who are trying to figure out whether they want to make this leap or sure. dip their toe into figuring out whether they want to start trying to make an income with their photography or keep it as a hobby. So, so thank you. It's very, very helpful. Well, hopefully people like Ashley and Julia got some, some new ideas and are excited to, to get started or, or move forward with wherever they're at in their journey. So yeah, thanks Absolutely. for having me, Brenda. It's always, it's always a pleasure to talk with you. So thanks for what you do for the, the photo industry as well with this podcast. Oh, thank you. Absolutely. My pleasure. All right. Thanks so much for listening to this Tidbit Tuesday and for your submitted questions. I appreciate you and I hope you got a lot of value out of today's episode. And if you did, take a moment to send a quick message to Colleen to thank her for taking the time to share her expertise with you today. You can find links to Colleen's website and the other information that we discussed today, as well as a link to her previous episode on this podcast, which was episode 19, where we dive more into her photography. You can find those in the show notes at outdoorphotographypodcast.com slash 66. And I want to give a huge thank you to everyone who has supported the podcast by leaving a rating and review or buying me a coffee through the link in the show notes, which is kind of like a podcast tip jar or has shared the show with a friend who they think would enjoy it too. I really love producing this podcast for you and each of these ways helps me to continue to do that. So thank you. And last but not least, I'll be back here next week with landscape photographer David Thompson to chat about his approaches to composition and his style of developing photographs, how he continually challenges himself to grow as a photographer, how to discover your own creative vision, and a whole lot more. So be sure to follow the podcast so you don't miss out on this or any of our upcoming episodes. And until then, get outside, my friends, and find yourself a little nature. Take care.